It was uh, during World War II. If you've ever read the book uh, Hiding Place, you're familiar with this story. Uh, it's uh, about a woman by the name of Corrie Ten Boom. When she was a, uh, a youngster, a child, she was, her and her family would hide uh, Jews in their home from the Nazis, trying to protect them. Well, eventually, if you're familiar with the story, they were eventually found out. And her whole family ended up in concentration camps along with the Jews. And, and while there, they went through some horrible circumstances, some absolutely terrible situations that they had to endure. But through it all, she never backed down from living out her faith. She never backed down from living the gospel message out in every opportunity that she could. She didn't shy away from living fully for God. Her passion for God outweighed everything else because she understood that reality that God is greater than her struggles. She continually shared Christ and lived the gospel even when friends died, even when siblings died, even when the conditions were you know, horrible through the heat or the cold, and even one thing that odd, it may, may seem odd to us, but she called was a blessing because it reminded them that they were alive. That was the flea-infested living quarters that they had. Through it all, she never backed away from living fully for God. She chose for God to be greater than everything else. Through it all, God and His mission, God and His purpose for our living, His standard that we are to live to, she never backed off from that. She continually lived fully for God. God, to her, was greater than all else. You know, one time after the war was over, she was speaking to a group of people at a church about faith in Christ. And after it was over, one man came up to her to thank her for uh, her message because it had inspired him. And he let her know that he was a Christ follower and what she had to say was significant. It impacted her in a great way. Immediately, she recognized the man. This man was one of the guards who had caused a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. As a matter of fact, this man, this one person, was actually responsible for the eventual death of her sister. Here she was face to face with him. And she, she shared how she struggled, how this moment seemed to last forever as he's talking with her and he extends his hand to shake her hand to thank her for the message. He's unaware of who she is. And she talked about how she struggled through that and she wrestled with God. The hatred for all that He had done and this man Himself was welling up inside of her. And she was saying in her mind, I cannot accept this man. But she felt inwardly as she wrestled with God that God was saying, but He's one of my children too. She realized at that moment, who was she to treat poorly one of God's people? Who was she to treat them as less than? She shared how she forced her arm up. It was a, a conscious choice to force her arm up to shake his hand. And at that moment when she finally overcame, when she finally conquered her own desires and submitted herself to the greatness of God and God's design for us, that everything changed. And she was able to perceive him in a totally different light that he had received the same grace that she had received. That he was a brother in Christ to her. She had chosen to make God greater than her struggles. God's purpose, God's mission, 
was greater than anything she was going through. You know, in fact, this is a fact that God is greater than everything. We've talked about this already. Now, it's not a question about whether God is greater than everything. But the problem comes in for us is that there are times in life when we must choose to make God greater than something. You know, those difficulties that we face in life are often that very place. You know, put yourself in Corey Tenboom's shoes as you're face to face with the man who caused so much hurt and pain. The man who was ultimately responsible in some capacity there for the death of her sister. And there she was face to face with him. And she had to choose to make God's design for how we interact with other people greater than her personal desires in that situation. There are times in life where our struggles threaten to be greater than all else. Our struggles threaten to be such that we cannot see past where we are or what should be. Our feelings get hurt. Maybe somebody has wronged us or somebody that we care about. There are times in life where we look at those places and those situations and we, we ask ourselves, how can we get past this? Because if God is greater well, we just have to. We don't have an alternative in here. During those times, we must, we must make that conscious effort to make God greater than ourselves. From viewing people or circumstances to changing our attitudes and behaviors. Every area of life, sometimes those struggles seem insurmountable, but God must be greater. He must be greater than everything else. Paul had written to, in this letter to the Philippian church, he had, he had written already about how pleased he was with the Christians there in Philippi. How, how excited he was, how he prayed with joy because of them. That every time he prayed, he thanked God for them because of their partnership in the gospel, because of their faithfulness to God. They had partnered with the gospel from the beginning until now. And he had even bragged to other churches about their faithfulness. Their life in Christ, in other words, was an example that all of us could follow for the centuries that followed after that. So today we're, we're at verse 7, Philippians 1-7. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Verses are going to be up on the screen as well. Uh, but if you're following along in the YouVersion app, the, the verses are listed in there. You can find us under events on the YouVersion app. We're only going to read one verse today, Philippians 1.7. Paul wrote this. He says, It is right for me to feel this way about you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Now remember, we've already talked about this, that uh, Paul is writing from prison. More specifically, he's writing from that two-year time when he was in, under house arrest in Rome. And he's, he's writing to them, uh, from, well, not exactly the greatest situation. It wasn't horrible, as one of his later imprisonments, when, he, when we talked about this last week, where he's in that, that dark hole. This is a bit more of a, an easier perspective, but nonetheless, it still was difficult. While he was there, though, in prison, he continually told other people about Jesus. He continually pointed other people to how to be saved. He cared deeply for the church, for the Christians at Philippi. That's why he said it was right for him to feel that way. And further, he understood about being fellow Christians and the significance that that carried with it, just like with Corey Tenboom, when she came to realize that this man is a fellow Christian, that he shared in the same grace that she had. 
that it changes everything. It puts people on a different level for us. The Greek word for share that he, he used there, it has its root word, the root word is koinonia. It means to have in common. It even at times carries with it the idea of to be partners. Outside of the biblical use, generally it referred to things like business partners or joint owners. And so I carried with it this idea of having a, a vested interest together with other people in something that is significant, something often that goes beyond us. So as Christ followers, looking at each other, looking at specifically at other Christ followers, it applies into other areas as well. But specifically looking at other Christ followers, we see that we, we need to be viewing them a bit differently than, say, the stranger we would meet on the street, or even our neighbor. For Paul, because they shared Christ, the church at Philippi, it elevated them to a different place in his compassion for them. And throughout his writings, we catch, as I said, that, that he ends up applying it into many other uh, groupings of people. But it really applies in terms of how the church is to interact with each other, how believers are to be. Paul didn't allow, you see, his circumstances or his struggles to dictate how he interacted with people. He understood a truth, that God is greater than our struggles. God and His mission are greater than whatever it is we may find ourselves going through. That none of what we go through matters as much as God and His mission. God has given Christians a responsibility, you see, to share Christ. He has given us responsibility to care for other people. And neither of those responsibilities should be affected by the difficulties that we may face. Neither of those responsibilities should be altered to become less than because of our understanding that God is greater than our struggles. It shouldn't affect those. You know, Paul had been through the ringer on his way to uh, that house arrest there in Rome. I mean, he had been falsely accused. His life had been threatened. He had been shipwrecked. I mean, a whole bunch of other things had happened over the course of his time, even before that trip to Rome. He had even uh, uh, gone through beatings and stonings. Life had not been easy for him. So he understood about difficulties. But none of those struggles dissuaded him on following through on God's mission, on living out God's purposes, on living how God had given him and us to live. He faithfully continued to choose to see God and His mission and His purpose for us as greater than Himself, as greater than anything He faced. We have to choose to follow. You know, when we choose not to follow through, when we choose not to make God greater than our struggles, we end up, in essence, making ourselves greater than God. When we allow our struggles to dictate how we then be, behave, act, think, whatever, we're choosing to put ourselves as greater than God. It shouldn't be that way. We end up putting ourselves, our agenda, our friends, anything as more important than God. But when we choose God and His purpose, His mission for us, as most important in our life, nothing else matters. We will be like Paul. We'll be able to look at the struggles that we face face with confidence. We'll be able to look at what we go through with a, a, a certainty that God is there working in and through us to accomplish purposes. 
See, God is greater than all of that other stuff we may face. We have to choose to see Him that way. He already is, but our choice is what matters in there. We need to choose to pursue God and His mission no matter what. You know, Paul is writing to Timothy elsewhere about, uh, about the similar concept. 2 Timothy 2.4, he says, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. In other words, as we go about life, we have to make sure that we don't allow ourselves to get distracted by whatever comes our way. We must choose to see God as the one who is giving us the direction for life. Like I said that's a choice. Sometimes that choice is easy. Sometimes that choice is very difficult. Our goal in life as Christ followers is to please God. That is to be greater than all else. So how does this, how does this play out in our life? <clears throat> Paul gave a few areas to consider here in Philippians 1.7. First of all, is our struggles should not impact how we treat fellow believers. Our struggles that we go through, the difficulties that we face, shouldn't impact how we treat each other as Christ followers. For Paul, his circumstances, circumstances didn't change how he felt or interacted with the fellow believers that he did. He was in prison. Now, like I said, it's house arrest, I understand, but it's prison nonetheless. He could have looked at his circumstances and thought, you know what, I just need to hunker down, I need to pull back, I need to take care of myself in this situation. I just need to back off from everything else and make sure I take care of me. He could have looked at life that way. In our circumstances that we run across in life, sometimes they tempt us to do that, don't they? They tempt us to, to kind of back off from everything else and just take care of number one, as the phrase goes. That's not what Paul did, though. He took a different approach. He saw God as greater than his struggles. You hear his heart here in this verse that I read, don't you? Previous verses that we talked about last week, he talked about the joy that he had in them because of their faithfulness in Christ. He wasn't here throwing a pity party for himself because of his circumstances. He wasn't blaming bad luck. He wasn't blaming other people. He realized that the situation he was in wasn't the greatest, but that wasn't what mattered. God's purpose in life for us, God's mission that he has given us, that is greater than anything I may feel about my circumstances about what I may or may not have, about what I gain or what I lose. He kept his focus on Jesus. He looked to Him to see how to live. The New Testament often teaches us many times about how Christians are to interact with each other, how the church is to be toward each other. We are to treat each other, all people for that matter, with respect and dignity. To honor others is better than ourselves. But there's a passage that talks about how believers are to be toward one another. It's 1 Corinthians 13. It's that passage that you, you generally hear read at a, a, a wedding. It's a, that famous love passage. But you see, there's a little bit more to understand in regard to that passage, and that is this. That passage is actually written right in the middle of a conversation Paul is writing to the Corinthian church about how the church, the Christians, are to interact with each other. That Paul wrote that, what I'm about to read, and not so much about marriage, though granted it applies, but how believers are supposed to treat each other. Paul wrote this, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. 
It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That is how believers are to be toward each other. Yes, it applies to many other areas, but don't miss that significance. You see, the Corinthian church was almost a total opposite of the Philippian church. The church in Corinth, well, it was full of bickering and, and infighting, and, and it was full of dissension going on. They had people who were openly living contrary to God's design, and other people applauding them for that. They were living, in other words, contrary to God's design. The church was a mess. But that wasn't the church of Philippi. They, they, they had placed God as greatest, as greater than everything else. So the next time the difficulties come our way, we have to choose to make God greater than our difficulties so that we can live out the life God has given us. Choose to treat others, in other words, how God has given us to treat them. Our struggles shouldn't impact how we treat other people. But our struggles also shouldn't impact how we defend the faith. Paul talked about that in there. Greek word that's translated as defend, it meant to defend against false information or testimony. It's where we get our English word apologetics, which even though the word sounds like the English word apology, they're not close to the same word. Word apology means to say you're sorry for something. And nowhere do we find in Scripture where we are to apologize for the gospel message or for God. Apologetics is a different world. It's a, it's a different understanding of things. A Greek word even carried with it sometimes the idea of to make something stable. Apologetics is to present a truth of something to others so they will believe. Similar to the idea of what Luke explained as to his reason for writing the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. So that the people, the readers, would understand more fully or it would stabilize their faith in Christ as they read these historical accounts of Jesus and the early church. It's that same idea. When Paul was defending the faith, he was helping to stabilize people's beliefs as he shared Christ with them. Helping them to understand that God is real. You know, in the middle of our struggles that we may find ourselves in, we, we need to look to people like Paul. You know, he never stopped helping others to know the truth, to come to a, an understanding of the gospel message so that their faith would be stable. He continually shared Christ no matter his circumstances. Even in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul was sharing with the Corinthian church again, and at that point he shared with them some difficulties he had gone through. It was in one of his times that he was up there at the church of Philippi, in that area anyway, north of Corinth. And he shared how the persecution became so bad that he despaired even of life itself. When you understand what Paul went through, you've got to wonder in your mind, that must have been absolutely horrible. I mean, he shares all these different things throughout his writings and in the book of Acts, of these difficulties he went through that I talked about already. And yet, what happened up there and during one of those times was so bad he despaired even of life itself. But nothing stopped him. Nothing stopped him 
from helping others to know Christ. He used situations as opportunities. No matter what, he looked for new ways to tell other people about Jesus, to lead other people to salvation. His struggles did not impact making more disciples. It didn't slow him down at all. Sometimes our struggles appear overwhelming to us, though, causing us to develop tunnel vision. All we can see is what we're going through, and we're looking for the light at the end of that tunnel so we can just make it out of it, make it through day by day, just making it through what we're going through. We have to be careful in this. That in the process of what we go through in life, that we don't miss the people that God is placing into our life. The people that are all around us. We work with them. We run into them at the store. For students, when you run into them at school, our neighbors, our friends, our family who are outside of Christ, God has placed those people there so that each of us can share Christ with them. We have to be careful that in our struggles we don't miss that. They still need somebody to point them to Christ. And God put us there to help them to be saved. Often our struggles, you see, make an excellent backdrop for sharing Christ. They make an excellent starting place because our reactions in the middle of our difficulties give greater meaning to the hope that we are proclaiming. Help to stabilize it a little bit. At those times when life heats up around us, we need to choose to make God greater than our struggles so that others can be saved. This leads us to the final area because one is directly connected to the other. It solidifies the other. Well, this first one has to do with defending the faith. Our struggles shouldn't impact how we confirm the gospel message either. Confirm means to prove or to verify a truth to others. Uh, That original word, it had a nuance taken from the Greek commercial world. It referenced the legal guarantee that something was what the the seller was saying it was. And let me put it into a modern example to help us understand a little bit better. Next time you're at the gas pump, look for that sticker that's on the gas pump that says it's been inspected. What that sticker is representing is that they are, you could say, guaranteeing that if you pump 10 gallons of gas into your gas tank, besides being a whole lot poorer, you will have 10 gallons of gas in your gas tank. It's a guarantee that you're getting what you're paying for. That's kind of the idea, an aspect of the idea of this word that's translated as confirm. Biblical word carries also ideas of things like the process of making something known to someone or causing people to think about something and accept it as trustworthy. It's a whole lot of this idea of of giving some validity to what we're talking about. Both ways of understanding this word, the various perspectives, they are about helping other people know a truth with certainty. Our life, you see, is that stamp of authenticity. As we go through the difficulties of life that we inevitably go through at one time or another, our life is that stamp of authenticity as we live out the faith. It confirms the reality that God is at work now. He is not just a God of way back then, but He is alive and He is active even now. So we have to be careful as we we come across life's difficulties that we 
that we don't get in the way of exemplifying Jesus to other people. You know what I'm talking about in here. When one problem after another just seems to come crashing in on you, when everything that you can do is just to tread water to keep your head above water, everything seems to be threatening to overtake you. You know what that's like. One appliance after another breaks down, and as soon as you're, you're starting to get that taken care of, the car breaks down too. It's one problem after another after another. You feel like you're just going from one crisis to the next, and all of your energy is spent just existing in life. We may be tempted to focus our energies back on ourselves to the neglect of living out the faith. You know, John wrote about this in 1 John. 1 John 1, 5 through 7. He says, God is light. In, there, in Him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. You know, as we're going through the difficulties that we may face in life, the problems... When we live how God has called us living in the light, when we, we strive to be what God has given us to be, we end up having that fellowship, which by the way is that same connecting word, koinonia. We have that fellowship with other believers. We need to understand and remember that connection is there. Our life is a confirmation further to those around us who don't yet know Christ. It is a confirmation for them of the reality of the faith that we proclaim from our actions and our words to our attitudes and emotions all of it is part of confirming the gospel to those around us you know jesus taught that out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks i i don't watch tv anymore it just kind of lost interest for me but there was a commercial on back when i did watch com uh, tv uh, it was a credit card commercial with the phrase what's in your wallet i want to borrow from that and tweak it just a little bit What's in your heart? You know, when life heats up around you in, 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 in every aspect of life, the question really boils down to what's in your heart? Because what's there is what's going to come out. When things don't go how you think they should or you feel they should, when things are maybe, maybe taken away from you or dumped on you, I could go on and on, but you get the picture. When life heats up, and you're facing difficulties and struggles, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's your heart full of? It should be full of the love of God. It should be full of love for God, which then spills over into love for other people. And what should be coming out of us as the, the difficulties of life hit us should be things that glorify and honor God above all else because we have chosen to make God greater than our struggles. We must choose to make God greater than our struggles. Our faith should be evident to all. A confirmation, confirming the gospel message, proving that God is real. You know, life is neither all roses nor all doom and gloom. We know that to be a reality. As long as we are this side of heaven, that is the reality. We may be going through a great time right now, but we know how life goes, and we know something is going to happen, don't we? We may be in the middle of a difficult time, but we know how things change. Eventually, we'll likely get out of that again. But we must choose, no matter what, in every circumstance, in every situation, 
to choose to make God greater than our struggles so that out of the overflow of our heart, love for God, we end up defending, confirming the faith. We end up treating each other in the way that God has given us. We end up living out the gospel message, living how God has called us to be. That's our responsibility to make God greater than our struggles. It's a choice that we must make. Yes, it is a reality. God is greater than our struggles. But if we don't consciously choose to make Him, the next time something comes your way, you may react in a way that is less than godly. You may do things, think things, feel things, say things that aren't how God has given us to be. Your life may not be the witness to the people around you about the reality of God and salvation in Christ. That, dif- that choice, I understand, it is difficult at times, both in the good times and in the bad. In the good times, we tend to often forget God. In the bad times, sometimes we have that tendency as well to forget God. Focus in on just where we are, rather than the bigger picture that God is still God. But both of those opportunities, the good and the bad, they give us an opportunity to choose God and His mission, His purpose for us, as greater than ourselves, greater than our struggles. Hey everyone, I want to take a moment to thank you for joining us this morning as you worshiped God with the study of His Word. If you're listening online, not part of a church, I can't stress enough the importance of joining with other believers on a regular basis. God has given us in the Bible the responsibility to gather regularly with other believers, to serve alongside, to encourage, to challenge each other, to live more faithfully for Him, to live out the gospel message. If you live in Burlington area and you don't yet have a church, I'd like to take a moment to invite you to join us this next Sunday and serve God alongside those who are here. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with God, just let us know. If you're challenged or encouraged by today's message, would you leave a review on Google or a comment on Facebook? We'd love to hear from you. And your comments may be something that encourages somebody else to walk more faithfully with God. Thanks again, and see you this Sunday.